Hello, Peter Wantok. You had a couple of Pacific waves from RNZ Pacific. I'm Kuroi Hawkins. Coming up first... As a region that has been impacted by a nuclear effect, we cannot not present that voice. Samoa's Prime Minister tells New Zealand keeping the Pacific nuclear-free needs to be central to any AUKUS discussions. The latest ones yesterday uh, was Alan Bird, Governor of East Seabig. More MPs leave Papua New Guinea's government amid talks of a potential no-confidence motion. And it's been a week of tropical cyclones in the Pacific, with two affecting the Cook Islands and another storm system now lurking around Vanuatu. Keeping the Pacific nuclear-free in line with the Rarotonga Treaty has been a recurring theme this week from the leaders of Tonga, Cook Islands and Samoa to New Zealand's visiting ministers. RNZ Pacific's Alicia Foon is in Apia and has been covering Foreign Affairs Minister Winston Peters and Health and Pacific People's Minister Shane Retty's three-country tour of Polynesia. The New Zealand government's Pacific mission wraps up today with the final leg in Samoa. Over the course of the trip, defence and security in the region has been discussed with the leaders of Tonga, Cook Islands and Samoa. In Apia, the Samoa Prime Minister Fiame Naomi Mata'afa addressed regional concerns about AUKUS. New Zealand is considering joining Pillar 2 of the agreement, a non-nuclear option, but critics have said this could be seen as Aotearoa rubber-stamping Australia's acquiring nuclear-powered submarines. I think I've, I've indicated to the Deputy Prime Minister, as a region, the security uh, arrangements that we have is vested in the Rarotonga Treaty. You know, both Australia and New Zealand are members of the regional organisation, the Pacific Island Forum, and we would hope that both the administrations will ensure that the provisions under the Rarotonga Treaty are con- taken into consideration with these new arrangements. New Zealand's previous Labour government was more cautious in its approach to joining AUKUS because it said Pillar 2 had not been clearly defined, but the coalition government is looking to take action. Prime Minister Fiame says she does not want the Pacific to become a region affected by more nuclear weapons. What I have uh, indicated to the Deputy Prime Minister is that as a region that has been impacted by nuclear effect, still ongoing, especially in the North Pacific with the Marshall Islands and the semblance of it still in the South with uh, Tahiti, that we cannot not present that voice in these international arrangements. We don't want the Pacific to be seen as an area that you know, people will take licence of uh, nuclear uh, arrangements. The Treaty of Rarotonga prohibits signatories, which include Australia and New Zealand, from placing nuclear weapons within the South Pacific. Cook Islands Prime Minister Mark Brown says Pacific leaders were in agreement over the security matter. Well, I think our stand mirrors that of all the Pacific Island countries where we want to keep the Pacific region nuclear weapons free, nuclear free. Uh, and that hasn't changed. It was discussed at the Leaders Forum that possibly a review or a revisit, if you like, of the Rarotonga Treaty uh, should take place, uh, particularly in light of things like the AUKUS uh, arrangement, uh, things like the Fukushima uh, disaster in Japan, uh, the state of the nuclear storage facility in the Marshall Islands, All of these things are now um, coming to the forefront as topics of discussion amongst Pacific leaders. So again, I think uh, an open discussion with our partners such as New Zealand, Australia and others uh, on these matters 
uh, it's timely that we have them now moving forward. Last year, Fiji's Prime Minister Sitiveni Rambuka proposed a Pacific Peace Zone, which was discussed during the Pacific Islands Forum in the Cook Islands. This year, Tonga will be hosting, and matters of security and defence involving AUKUS will likely be a major talking point. Tonga's acting Prime Minister, Samir Vaipolo, acknowledged New Zealand's sovereignty and suggested a talanoa was the best process. We don't uh, interfere with what other countries do. It's their sovereignty and they make their own decisions. We keep to ourselves what we want to do. Yes, Pacific is a region of peace. We can use the Taranoa process. Foreign Affairs Minister Winston Peters and Health and Pacific Peoples Minister Shane Reti reiterated that they care and have listened to the needs outlined by Pacific leaders. They say New Zealand will deliver on funding promises to support improvements in the areas of health, education and security of the region. They are scheduled to arrive back in Aotearoa with their delegation on Saturday. There are now 23 MPs on the opposition benches in Papua New Guinea ahead of an expected vote of no confidence in Prime Minister James Marape. Governments in PNG have 18 months grace after an election when opponents cannot bring motions of votes of no confidence. And that period, in place since August 2022 for this government, expires this weekend. A total of 12 MPs in the government of James Marape have now switched sides, with two moving on Thursday this week, as our correspondent in PNG, Scott Mwaidi, explains to Don Wiseman. The latest ones yesterday uh, was Alan Bird, Governor of East Sepik, and Sam Basil Jr., both expressing that they were disappointed in the performance of the Prime Minister, and they, they had decided to move um, Sam Basil Jr. in particular, expressing that he was uh, disappointed in the manner in which resources were being distributed among MPs on, on both sides of the House. So some very high-profile people, aren't there, with Alan Bird and Booker Temu and people like this, being prepared to move to the other side. At this point in time, they don't stand much chance of uh, rolling the Marape government, do they? But things can happen quickly in Papua New Guinea. You know, it's unpredictable. It's fluid. The government has expressed, I've, I've spoken to the, I spoke to the Deputy Prime Minister over the weekend, he's expressed that he's confident that Pangu will survive this vote of no confidence uh, and that they have 50-something members still intact uh, as, as the core team in the uh, Marape Rosso government. But there's also many MPs who are dissatisfied with how James Marape is leading the government right now uh, and leading Papua New Guinea right now. And, and the expression from the opposition side, and particularly the MPs that have gone to the other side, articulates that feeling that's being expressed both within government and by ordinary Papua New Guineans. Now, the thing that stands out for me is that they have to find a candidate who will lead them. And, and that's what uh, a lot of people are saying that Peter O'Neill is there, but who else is there who can stand up and lead as prime minister, as an alternative prime minister? So that's the feeling that many, many people are seeing. Few names have been tossed around, but nothing solid yet. Yes, when they criticise James Marape for his performance, there's never been any specifics added to that. What is it that they are concerned about, about his behaviour or his actions? It's, it's 
becoming more specific as vote of no confidence nears. Now, what's being floated around on social media now is things like his alleged involvement with the Paraka payments, the Connect PNG payments going to people that allegedly have dealings with him. So those are the topics that are being floated around on social media, being circulated on WhatsApp. And Alan Bird also expressed a similar sentiment uh, regarding the payments made to Paul Paraka and Prime Minister's alleged involvement when he was a finance minister. All right. A vote of no confidence can't happen until Parliament sits. When's Parliament due to sit? On the week of the 13th is the date that I've been uh, hearing. Whether that will happen or not, I'm yet to confirm that. Things may change, you know. In Papua New Guinea, you can say something and then there'll be a sudden change in Parliament. There's been two tropical cyclones in the South Pacific this week, and at the time this program was recorded, another one was forming west of Vanuatu. Cyclone Nat, south of Papieti in French Polynesia, and Osai, southwest of the Cook Islands, were now downgraded to tropical depressions. Caleb Fotheringham has more. Cyclone Nat that formed on Monday Cook Islands time tracked across the north of the southern Cook Islands. Osai followed quickly, forming Wednesday, and moved west of Palmerston Island. Nat caused sea surges in Penryn Island, but overall both resulted in minimal damage. Director of Emergency Management Cook Islands, John Strickland, says Osai was downgraded to a tropical depression at about 7.30pm local time on Wednesday. It was forecast to strengthen to a Category 2 system, but instead weakened. Nothing significant to report apart from the normal rough seas, but no inundation. Winds have dropped and sunny now. The rain has dropped down, dropped down in Palmerston Island and the people are safe, bottom line. Before this week, the last cyclone in the Cook Islands was Pat in 2010. That directly hit Atataki with gusts surpassing 185 kilometres per hour. Mr Strickland says despite more than a decade between cyclones, Nat and Osai showed that the country is prepared. What we have seen so far, our people are prepared. Everybody's been uh, watching, not much complaints because of the awareness programme the notices that's been sent out to our people out there all around, being aware of these uh, upcoming events. There's been seven cyclones so far for the South Pacific season that finishes at the end of April. New Zealand's National Institute of Water and Atmospheric Research, Chris Brandolino, told Morning Report the number is about what was forecast. We were forecasting at the beginning of the tropical cyclone season, or just before the beginning, 9 to 14 named tropical cyclones, so... We were expecting average or above average tropical cyclones, so this is kind of on pace with that expectation. Mr Brandolino says there's a packet of energy in the South Pacific called Maiden Julian Oscillation, causing the uptake in tropical cyclones. And he says more are forecast in the coming days. Indications are over the next week to 10 days, uh, we'll probably see more. So I wouldn't be surprised uh, over the next week, week and a half, that we actually see Uh, more activity over the southwest Pacific, so there could be more to come. Niwa says an El Nino event, which we are currently in, tends to bring more cyclones to the South Pacific. For the latest on tropical cyclones, head on over to our website, rnzi.com. The founder of a Cook Islands NGO advocating for LGBT plus rights in the Cook Islands has been awarded the Franco-German Prize for Human Rights and the Rule of Law. 
Valerie Witchman of the Tetiare Association is the first Pacifica person to receive this global award. RNZ Pacific's Tiana Haxton attended the special presentation ceremony on Friday morning in Wellington. Valerie Witchman has been leading the Tiare Association since its founding in 2008. As a trans woman in the Cook Islands, she has been a prominent figure advocating for the rights of the rainbow community. Just last year, their efforts saw the decriminalization of homosexuality in the country. Witchman acknowledged the strong community support behind her work while accepting the award this morning. The Franco-German Award is recognition of generations of our Anuanua community advocating and pushing for positive change. Witchman is proud to have finally received international recognition almost two decades since the founding of the Tiari Association. This recognition shows me that the world is watching and the world acknowledges the hard fight from our Pamitwa right down today. This award is for them. Valerie was one of 12 recipients of the prize this year. Over 50 nominee submissions were sent in by embassies around the world. The French ambassador, Laurence Beau, is especially proud to see the highly esteemed prize go to a Pacifica person for the very first time. We're so happy to uh, have Valérie Wichmann selected among so many other candidates. It's the first in the Pacific, so it's a victory and a recognition for the whole Pacific people for the protection and promotion of LGBT plus rights. The German ambassador, Nicole Menzedbach, congratulated Wichmann, saying her win will inspire others across the Pacific region. I hope this prize will encourage other people in their community. This is good for all of us, for our society. I hope this will inspire other people to do the same hard work. Valerie Wichman travelled to Wellington to accept the award with her father, Pua'i Wichman. He was beaming with pride as he watched his daughter receive the Franco-German prize. Incredibly proud to be here. To be honest, I wasn't aware just how significant this award was. It's an incredibly prestigious global award that we should all be incredibly proud of. Founded in 2016, the Franco-German Prize for Human Rights and the Rule of Law is an award symbolising France and Germany's common values to protect and promote human rights. That's Pacific Waves for today. To listen back, head over to rnzi.com slash programs. We're also on Spotify, Apple and iHeartRadio. I'm Koroi Hawkins and my operator for this episode is Rachel Smith. Tofa soi for.